everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Michelle Tillis Letterman, who is the CEO and founder of Executive Essentials. She is also the author of four books, including The 11 Laws of Likeability and The Connector's Advantage. She has also appeared in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and on NPR. Thanks so much for joining us today, Michelle. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on, Matthew. I want to start with the first line on your LinkedIn profile, which states, quote, communication and connection is the foundation of everything, end quote. Why is communication and connection so vital? Communication and connection are you know, two sides of the same coin. When we communicate, um, everything that we're doing, whether it is with words, with body language, with eyes, we are always sending messages and being clear on the message that we're intending to send versus the one that we might be sending unintentionally, um, you know, it matters. Back in the day, we lived in, you know, the agricultural age, right? Land was the greatest asset. And then it was the industrial age. A machine was the greatest asset. And then it was the information age and, and technology and data was the greatest asset. But today we live in a network age and the greatest assets that people have are their relationships. Hmm. What the thing that you said there that really resonated is living in the network age. And a lot of your work that I was able to dive into definitely references that. And, and one of the other lines of your profile, and then I, I promise I'll stop quoting your, your profile, but I, it said that, when your child asks you what you do, you respond by saying, I help people work better together. Why do some of us, or maybe most of us, struggle in this pursuit? And what's a good way for us to figure out a path to get better at this critical skill? Answering the second question first, um, the path is one, self-awareness, and two, awareness of others, right? So now how do we increase those two things is the, the harder question um, but the first part of that question so we are all wired in a certain way and i i use a tool um, called the thinking preferences i mean there's so many different tools out there disc and mbti and, and i'm certified in all of them and i love them all but i like this one tool because it helps um, very quickly give a sense of somebody's preference and the reason that we struggle is because we don't understand why people don't think the same way that we do. We think the way that we approach work, the way that we make decisions, the way that we prefer to communicate is the way that everybody does. And that everybody should be that way because it makes perfectly good sense to us. And that's why I say increasing self-awareness and awareness of others is because not everybody thinks the way you do. And the beauty in our differences is that it allows people to bring their strength to the table and for you to focus on what you enjoy and let other people focus on what they enjoy. And those two things are not the same. If they were all the same, then it would not be that interesting. And we would all be fighting to do the same thing and all hating the same things. So, um, so we are wired to, um, to think and to communicate in a certain way. Some people are more expressive. Some people are more analytical. Some people, uh, you know, are linear thinkers, some people are tangential thinkers, some people are big picture, some people are detail oriented. And it is understanding why and what is important to those other people in the way they think 
that enables us to be more effective with each other. One of the pieces of your work that was interesting to me was you discuss how traditional forms of networking in many instances remove emotions from the equation and you focus instead on these immediate goals. So how do we take the focus away from immediate goals? I'll, I'll say personally, sometimes it's hard to not focus on some of those immediate goals. So how do we put the focus more on the long terms and more impactful goals that we should be focused on when networking with new individuals? That is the problem. And I actually hate the word networking. Uh, <laughs> my, my publisher made me put it in the first book because of SEO, but the word networking has work in it. And people have a visceral response to this thing called networking. I like to think of it as just connecting or making friends. And that all sounds great. So when we think about the reason people go to these networking events or make these efforts, it's usually because they do have a goal. They have to get a job or they have to land a client or they have to build some business or there's a reason behind it. And so we're always trying to figure out, does this serve my reason? If not, let me move on. I take a different approach. I call it relationship networking. And there's three major shifts that we take in relationship networking. And the first is that we don't just talk about work. We talk about anything. And that's what we did when we first got on before we started recording. We were talking about my kids and your upcoming uh, arrival. And we were talking about um, you know, what we do for the holiday weekend. And, and so we were talking about anything because connections don't form about what we do. Connections form about what we like to do. Um, our shared values, our shared experiences, our shared causes, our shared passions. And if we can undercover those things, then that makes somebody say, so wait, I like you. Now let me understand what you do, hmm. because now I have an interest in that. And so that's the first shift. The other two shifts are we want to move from short-term to long-term thinking, and that's exactly what you're focused on right now when it's a goal-oriented. Uh, and we want to move from thinking about it's all about me and my goal to it's about the relationship. So um, when we make those three shifts, we enable ourselves to think about the person and the connection and then understand that at some point the, the other stuff comes up. And when you share the other stuff, when you've already established a connection, then there's an interest um, in help, you know, an interest in, oh, hey, do you know this person and, and they are in that field and you should talk to that person and, oh, my company does that, you know, we should have you in. And it becomes a whole lot easier. Hmm. That's a perfect segue to your book, The Connector's Advantage. And, and in there, you talk about these seven mindsets to grow your influence. I want to specifically ask about our current and potential future state of remote work and remote connections. Do you have a specific strategy or a specific mindset for our audience that you think is especially pre prevalent and potentially powerful in this current environment? Absolutely. And I'm just going to list the seven for you in case another one you want to jump on, but um, abundance is the one we're going to focus on. So the, the seven mindsets of the connector are that connectors are open and accepting. They have a clear vision. They believe in abundance. They trust. They are social and curious. They're conscientious and they have a generous spirit. And I would say a generous spirit is probably the second one I would focus on during this time. But abundance um, is a really, really challenging mindset. And the opposite of abundance is scarcity. Now we all know scarcity. It's when we think there, there's not enough. We get protective, we get defensive, um, we hoard, uh, we don't share. 
And, you know, I get it. <laughs> like, this is actually one of the high risk mindsets for me, too. I get it. Like, I grew up with a scarcity of financial security. And so um, it took me a really long time to be able to donate money to charity because I felt that it was such a scarce resource. And that tangible nature of not having is a lot more ingrained in people's thinking than the possibility. So what I want people to do is not to think, oh, everything's going to be wonderful because that's not abundant thinking. What abundant thinking is the possibility that things will be better than they are right now. And right now, things suck. <laughs> if I can say that on your show, I don't know if you were going to edit that out on me. <laughs> you can say it. Okay. But, you know, we are in the middle of a global pandemic and, you know, social unrest and rioting and a highly polarized political environment. And it is a really challenging time. And unemployment is high. People are being laid off stores, restaurants, everything's closing. So it's really hard to say, oh, things will be better because it doesn't feel realistic. And so there's a couple practices. You know, I know you mentioned your audience really likes some strategies that they can implement. So I'm going to give you a few things that, that your listeners can think about doing to start to shift from that mindset of scarcity to a mindset of abundance. Because when you have a mindset of abundance, you enable all these other mindsets. You are enabled uh, a generous spirit. You enable conscientiousness you are more open and accepting. So abundance is really foundational to that, that openness and enabling that connection. So my favorite method of shifting my mindset from a scarcity where I need to be like, no, I'm not going to share my client. I, have, I don't have enough work, so I'm not going to give any out to an abundant mindset, which is, hey, I'm getting some work in. I wonder who else I can share this work with, which is great for me too, because it creates leverage in my business. But it's, you know, everyone wants to feel a little bit of, of something coming in and just that little, little trickle of work is really great. So I've had some work coming in and I've been like trying to spread it out. Gratitude. That's the number one practice. And I, I think it's been very big in the news in the last year, maybe even two years, um, but a practice of gratitude. And it doesn't have to be so um, heavy, right? I, I'm terrible at meditation and all that mindfulness stuff. And I think it's great, but I'm really not good at it. So I make it simple. I just say, what was the best part of my day? Or what's one thing I'm grateful for today? And we make it a family habit. So I'll, I actually told my son who tends to be a little negative, I'm like, your goal every day is to tell me one great thing about the day. You can then tell me all the bad stuff, but you have to start with one great thing. Um, and if it's not great, give me one good thing. And, and so it is just reminding ourselves. I sit here during this time and I think, oh my God, I am so lucky. I am so lucky that I um, have a, a backyard and I can get some fresh air. You know, when I lived in the city, I didn't have that. Uh, I am so lucky that we have enough uh, bandwidth for my kids to be able to do school at the same time at home while I and my husband are working from home. I am so lucky. And so it is just focusing on the things that you feel grateful for and doing that regularly. And another way to practice gratitude is to practice gratitude that you have for others. I got, um, I got this email from a student. I haven't taught at NYU Business School since 2012. The first time I ever taught was 2005 when I was pregnant with my first child. And I got an email from a student in my first ever semester teaching at NYU. And he basically said that he contributes his success to what he learned in my class. And what a gift. What a gift to get an email like that 15 years after that class to get an email saying, I am so grateful for your class and it has made such a difference in my life. 
that is a practice of a gratitude by showing your gratitude for others, your appreciation of others. And so if you want a strategy out there, think of somebody who had a good impact on your day, on your life, on your week, and just send them that note or pick up the phone because that is the biggest gift you can give somebody. One thing that I really like is the tie back to the long-term thinking and a focus on abundance and gratitude. You might do things for people that you just met or people in your network that won't have a definite return on that investment right away for you, but it's about cultivating that experience and giving that gratitude to others for so when the time is right, they will be able to, in some context, pay that back. What do you wish you had known maybe earlier on in your career? That's a frequent thing that we hear from a lot of our guests is their personal trajectory and how they changed and they evolved. When you look back, do you have advice that you would give to your earlier self on any topic that we've already talked about or, or a different topic? Uh, make them want to say yes. Hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, this is the best piece of advice that I follow and I wish I had known back then because back in the day I had a chip on my shoulder. Uh, as a woman in finance, you know, it's not something I throw into my bio, but I was in finance for 10 years and I was the only woman on a trading floor. And you get a little bit of an attitude and a big chip on your shoulder. And so you were ready for the fight. And what I learned in shifting out of that career in, into professional development is that when somebody wants to say yes to you, they find the way to say yes to you. And if you can make them want to say yes to you, which is not picking a fight, not demanding the manager, not losing it, then you are going to, it's kind of like that old saying, get more, uh, get more flies with honey. Is that what the phrase is? Get more bees with honey <laughs> with vinegar? One question that I have for you before we close and move to our, our final two rapid fire questions is you've wrote about likability, you've wrote about connection and networking and the power of abundance and these other mindsets. What are you the most curious about right now, either in your space or even outside of your space, not making you pick what a potential next book would be, but what is really um, sparking your curiosity right now? Oh, um, you know, I, I'm very fascinated, and it's probably not really in my field, but as we talked right before we got on about this virtual schooling, I am really fascinated by how, um, how we are going to evolve education, whether it's at the, you know, K through 12 university or even adult education level, because even the way I teach now has evolved. And, you know, I'm really curious about thinking about how to create connection while being physically distant. Well, creating connection is definitely a through line to all of your work and a wonderful spot to end this part of the conversation and shift to our final two rapid fire questions. And the first one is this, Michelle, if you could describe your leadership style in one word, what would that word be? That's easy, connected. <laughs> <laughs> And the final rapid fire question, which I think you hit on a little bit, but what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Uh, the best piece of advice I've received is actually from Marshall Goldsmith. And he says, ask yourself the question, am I being who I want to be in this moment? And, you know, as I said before about make them want to say yes, it, it is very aligned with that. Because if you, in a moment when you want to be reactive, take a second and say, you know, is this how I'm going to want to be when I look back at this moment? then you can be very thoughtful about your, your choices and be more responsive. 
Well, being thoughtful about our choices is a wonderful spot to close. Thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle. Where can our listeners find out more about you? I love hearing from listeners. So the best place to start is my website, which is Michelle with two L's, Tillis, T-I-L-L-I-S, Letterman, L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. And from there, you can find my YouTube channel, my blog. You can connect to me on LinkedIn, which is my favorite, as well as there's all the other social media ones out there too. Uh, and I actually have a bunch of free gifts that I give free chapters to the books, um, some quizzes to find out what level connector you are, what networking style you have. Um, and you can find that all right on my website or on my website slash gift pack and list all the goodies for you. Perfect. Well, thank you for all of the great insight and thanks to all of our great listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Learn to Lead Podcast. And you can find our organization Ability at Ability.com. Be sure to subscribe so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead Podcast. Mm-hmm.